0: Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield as she makes her way to the US MEF or US Meat Export Federation's annual conference in San Antonio, Texas. Be listening for reports from her later on this week. Talking the trade with us today is Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, and a daily host on the Rural Radio Network, talking markets at the midday. Mike, I always get like the opportunity though when we can go more long form and in-depth in market analysis and conversation. And today it's a bit of a choppy mixed trade, lower for a lot of the grains, though. Uh, When we come into it, though, it really looks like maybe there's some technical momentum that's starting to push behind this market. What are you making from the technical picture for the grains right now?
1: Yeah, this is one of those markets where in in the time that I've been in the commodity business, going back to 1995, if I could go back and think about what have I done wrong in the past, it's been maybe not listening to the technical signals, especially as time has gone on where the technicals do tend to give you more momentum and sentiment uh, accuracy than maybe the fundamentals do, Clay. And I think this is where... In today's trade, and I think today's a really good place to be talking about this, and and by the way, thanks for having me on, the the EU wheat led the declines, and and that is very important to us because the EU wheat has been the leader to the upside, and this is especially pertinent given that one of the major fundamental reasons why the EU wheat has been continuing to hold a premium, and it's been a, a... an enabler of the soft red and the hard red and to a lesser degree the spring wheat to go back up towards its old highs or their old highs has been because of the drought in France and and I say spring wheat to a lesser degree because the spring wheat issues in Canada and in our northern plains remain a very big issue and probably the driver to that price and especially after yesterday's crop progress report but when you see the EU wheat lead declines today of almost four percent lower Yes, there is a little bit of cooler, maybe wetter weather in some of the droughty areas of France's wheat and corn belt, um, but we're just coming off of a day ago, MARS, the you know European Crop Monitoring Group for the European Union, uh, dropping their cereal production from April down almost a full percentage point and dropping their soft wheat down a full percentage point this is something that's not going to go away. The weather's probably not going to help bring that back. So when you see that kind of price action you your leader to the upside, and you're up against some really key technical indicators, and what I mean by that is the Kansas City wheat, the hard red wheat, was able to close today back below its March 11th high of 1247.5. That's a big number to me because we haven't really been able to get below that too much uh, since that March high was made. And so This is the time of year where you don't want the momentum to shift to the downside and to a sell signal, especially as we get wrapping up May and heading into Memorial Day.
0: You know, it's interesting the timing of all this coming in, especially if there is a correction due to this market. We saw Jordan cancel that tender. Maybe they're trying to, to hold out to see if those are some prices do lower. But when you look at countries like Jordan, like Egypt, social stability really often oftentimes depends on food prices, on bread prices in particular. And so when we're seeing this, how much longer can those guys wait for demand to ration this price back to a lower level before they've got to step in and they've got to purchase at these higher prices?
1: you know i think we're ha- we're seeing it happen in real time right now clay but i don't know if we know how much it's happening and what i mean by that is you take something like a consumer electronic company like best buy they put out their earnings they continue to show along with mcdonald's along with uh, some of the other target brands and some of the other big retailers that are not food-related as much, McDonald's obviously is. But uh, even there, we didn't get a very clear picture of what was happening. But with Best Buy, their quarter ending uh, April 30th numbers, comparable sales were down 8%. Released today, that compares to plus 37% the prior quarter. They had to take their total year forecast down by a negative uh, only gains of about three to six percent, or down three to six percent, I should say. And so these are numbers that really should trouble us. And getting back to the food side of the equation and to your question, um, there's in, in England right now, for instance, there are uh, farmers that are threatening to reduce their production uh, of bread uh, and, and bread costs are going so high that farmers are threatening to reduce their production and therefore the bread makers are threatening to reduce their production. And that's reported by The Telegraph today. And so I think we're there. We're at that 2011 Arab Spring moment right now is what I can say to you right now at this point, Clay, in my opinion.
0: So with that, that kind of plays into more of a macro market picture as well. We go back to 2011, the Arab Spring, a lot of instability in the world. Already plenty of geopolitical tensions to to look at there. So do we watch the VIX volatility index? Do we see more money, want to buy commodities as a hedge against this uncertainty and this unrest?
1: I think eventually we will, but I think right now I believe that commodities in the agriculture sector are still tied to the energy sector. And I think that's why the macro influences, when the stock market goes down, the crude oil goes down, the food prices, the grain prices go down, even with the dollar making a fresh one-month low today as we closed out the session, I think the energy – and that means the indexes are still very much in control or – have a bigger play than normal when it comes to the basket of commodities that they buy because the vast majority of index uh, commodity index uh, investment is energy related you know fifty sixty percent of many of the commodity baskets are a variety of energies and then the agriculture and the metals kind of round out to the top to the 100 percent level.
0: We got about 30 seconds here, Mike. We go back to uh, more fundamentals happening in the U.S. right now. The big I states finally are starting to get some rolling, but what about uh, North Dakota, Minnesota and some of the struggles they continue to have with corn planting? Are those marginal acres enough to make a difference?
1: No, I don't think so. I think we need Minnesota, and I think we need North Dakota. Even Ohio came in at 52 percent, Clay, and I did call uh, talk to an Ohio client today in northwest Ohio, and he said, I think we're probably better than that right now as in terms of the high production part of the state of Ohio. But when you have, you know, Pet Wisconsin at 61 percent, South Dakota at 62 percent, you've got a lot of corn belt that hasn't gotten planted yet, and I do think that 177 yield, it's still doable, but it's less likely at this point.
0: Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Stay tuned, more to come. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield today. We're talking the trade with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics, and Mike, I really enjoyed our conversation in segment one. Really, kind of diving into this broader market picture and what it and how it impacts not only our country but our world as well. And uh, that kind of brings me back to a question when it comes to uh, Davos, Switzerland, where the the World Economic Forum is going on right now. Something I've noticed this year versus years past, there's more headlines of these keynote speakers talking about agriculture production, talking about grain production, and possible food shortages. Is there anything to really imply from that, or is that still just kind of a big think tank with little market ramification?
1: You know, I think this year it is different in that it is meaningful, Clay, and I have to give you hats off there for bringing that up at the midday, because not a lot of people really follow that in the media, and so well done on that. But no, I was listening to a section on the World Economic Forum today called Absorbing the Commodity Shock and uh one of the people that was a guest talked about how food is people and they distinguish between energy, they distinguish between food. Uh and when it comes to people and when it comes to uprisings and what how critical a period we are and as we said in segment one, I do think we're at that Arab Spring moment of twenty eleven at this point and we can't tolerate a twenty twelve drought. And I think the other thing that really came through to me was one of the, a very high-level resource group person was being interviewed in a panel, and he said time for cheap commodities is over. And what he said about that really resonated with me, and it really adds to the analysis that I've been pushing out to the clients. That it, it, it takes energy. It takes pure energy to make the commodities. And, and when you have a, a ESG requirements and, and the permitting that it takes for the time to do the environmental standards Uh, for the ESG, and that combined with the fact that they are underinvested in regular energy production and new resources for the past five or ten years. That's why his claim was the time for cheap commodities is over. Why is this pertinent to you and I? Well, obviously, we use a lot of diesel, a lot of fertilizer, but it also goes back to the cash versus the futures market. I think 2022, and 2023 are kind of going to be different than what we're used to where the cash prices, I think, hold up a lot better than the futures. I think the hedge funds and the commodity index traders will want to get in the market and then get out of the market liquidate some of their longs or get net short periodically but the cash price i think is going to remain very well underpinned as long as that energy market remains underpinned as well and when i saw today that the biden administration the energy secretary was talking about maybe considering restricting petroleum exports out of the united states to ease our fuel prices here that kind of policy i do think resonated in today's prices
0: it's very interesting how it comes together. I want to talk cash markets, but I don't want to overlook the livestock here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. And today we see some limited cash in the south, $1. thirty-seven live. That looks like it's about a positive $5 basis to where the June and August board is currently trading. Is the market trying to stay in within that $5 basis range, or is there something we can do to prop this market up a little bit?
1: No, I think it is trying to stay within that five dollar basis range. I also heard that Kansas Packer was bidding one thirty five, so they're clearly not chasing this market. They know the supplies are ample. They saw the same pork report and beef report that we saw in cold storage, where the beef, you know, was up about. Up down 1% versus March 30th, but it's, we're still up about 18% on the year when it comes to beef and cold storage. And so I think one of the things you bring up is that positive basis. I'm not a hedger in fat cattle because the futures doesn't have a premium in it. I, I think the same thing with the feeder cattle, even with the rally we've seen today in the feeders, and the break above a key trend line, not a close above, but a break above, if we could close above that, then that one seventy two fifty area where the forty day moving average rests right now in August, I think that could be a technical target for some of the people out there. Um, but the real one that I really wonder about now, given the cold storage and given the basis is we 've got a cash index that 's sitting at one hundred two we 've got a futures at one hundred nine and we have a pork report that came out in cold storage It built nine percent versus last month, and now we're 16% better in pork and cold storage than last year at this time. I think the pork's really going to do a lot to try and keep pressure on the other meats as we go into the summer grilling season.
0: It's interesting we bring up feeder cattle in there. I go back to crop progress report. You're still looking at states like Texas. Seventy percent of their pasture and range is considered poor to very poor. Montana struggling in that. Even Nebraska, only 27 percent is rated good to excellent. So why do we continue to see what seems to be relatively strong cash prices for these grass type cattle coming into the cash market in the country sale barns?
1: Well, I think it's because there is interest out there. I mean, I've talked to several cattlemen that have come alive kind of in the last few weeks because they've been able to get some rains, and they think they may have some wheat crop now as opposed to a big fat zero. And so I do think there's some activity out there in the cash market, and I think it goes back to the high grain prices too. I think we all realize that it's going to be hard to get below $5 cash corn until we get to harvest, and that's if we can keep our acreage base intact that's if we can keep our 175-plus oh, uh, national yield intact. So I think that really does bring a lot of more of an idea that I want to start off with, with at least on the pasture, and then maybe my grain prices will come down.
0: That's Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. You can always learn more at globalcomresearch.com. Thank you to Fontenelle Hybrids for their continuing support of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involved risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing.